Hello and welcome to Courts This Week on Live Law. I am Tanya Pandey, here with your weekly update of the most recent judgments from courts across India. Let's begin with judgments from the Supreme Court first. The Supreme Court on 9th September stayed the proceedings instituted by global e-commerce giant Amazon for the enforcement of the emergency award passed in its favour by a Singapore-based arbitrator which halted the merger deal between Future Retail Limited and Reliance Group. The court also asked all authorities, including the NCLAT, CCI and the SEBI, to not pass final orders for four weeks in relation to the Future Reliance deal. A bench of CJI NV Ramana, Justice Surikant and Justice AS Gopanna passed the order in the special league petitions filed by Future Group against the order passed by the single bench of the Delhi High Court that directed the attachment of assets of Future Group companies and its promoters Kishore Biani and others for breach of the emergency award. The single bench had also issued a show cause notice for civil arrest of Biani and other directors of the Future Group. Before passing the interim order, the Honorable CJI said that in a matter of this magnitude, if hearing takes place without giving an opportunity of filing proper counter-affidavit to parties, how could one pass orders like attaching property, pay cost, civil imprisonment, etc. The Centre on 8th September informed the Supreme Court that a decision has been taken at the highest level of the Defence Forces and the Government that girls will be inducted for permanent commission through the National Defence Academy. The bench of Justices Sanjay Kishan Kaul and M.M. Sundaresh was hearing a plea challenging the policy of the Centre in not permitting female candidates to appear for the National Defence Academy and Naval Academy examination and train at the National Defence Academy. The petition was filed in February and a notice was issued on March 10th. The Supreme Court had in August passed an interim order allowing women to take part in the NDA examination scheduled for September 5th, adding that admission in the programme would be subject to the final result of the petitions before it. The Supreme Court has held that magistrates would not be competent to extend the time to complete investigations in UAPA cases. The only competent authority to consider such requests would be the court, as specified in the proviso to Section 43D2B of the UAPA, the bench of Justices UU Lalit, S. Ravindra Bhatt and Bela M. Trivedi held. In this case, the Chief Judicial Magistrate Bhopal had granted extension sought in an application moved by the investigating machinery under Section 43D2B of the UAPA. Also, the accused's application seeking bail on the ground that no charge sheet was filed by the investigating agency within 90 days was dismissed. The High Court upheld these orders, observing that since the CJM Bhopal had passed an appropriate order, the period available for the investigating machinery to complete the investigation stood extended to 180 days and as such, the applications preferred by the appellants under Section 167.2 of the Code were not maintainable. Against this order, an appeal was preferred before the Supreme Court, which was allowed. Every delay in conducting a disciplinary inquiry does not, ipso facto, lead to the inquiry being vitiated, the Supreme Court has observed. The bench of Justices D.Y. Chandrachur, Vikram Nath and Hima Kohli observed that the prejudice caused by the delay must be demonstrated to have been caused and cannot be a matter of surmise. In this case, a departmental inquiry was initiated against a police officer who allegedly constituted, supervised and operated a gunda squad after it was revealed that some members of such a squad 
arrested a person who later died in police custody. A departmental inquiry was convened against the officer and a charge sheet was issued. Central Administrative Tribunal, on his application, quashed the charge sheet on the ground that there was a delay of nearly two years and that the charges were ambiguous. Allowing the appeal, the Supreme Court said that since charge sheet was issued to the officer while he was in service, the disciplinary inquiry can proceed to its logical conclusion. It should be concluded expeditiously, preferably by 31st July 2022, the bench said. The Supreme Court has observed that when an alternative remedy is available, a writ petition under Article 226 of the Constitution can be entertained by a High Court only in exceptional circumstances, which include a breach of fundamental rights, a violation of the principles of natural justice, an excess of jurisdiction, or a challenge to the viaries of the statute or delegated legislation. In this case, the Telangana High Court, in the exercise of its writ jurisdiction under Article 226 of the Constitution, set aside the action of the Assistant Commissioner of State Tax in collecting an amount from a proprietary concern towards tax and penalty under the CGST and SGST Acts. Before the Apex Court, it was contended that the High Court was in error in entertaining the writ petitions under Article 226 of the Constitution, having regard to the statutory alternative remedy which is available under Section 107 of the CGST Act. Agreeing with the said submission, the Supreme Court held that in the present case, none of the said exceptions was established. The Supreme Court has observed that bank account of a person accused under the Prevention of Corruption Act cannot be attached invoking Section 102 of the Code of Criminal Procedure. It is not possible to sustain the freezing of the bank account of the appellant taking recourse to Section 102 CRPC as the Prevention of Corruption Act is a code by itself, the Bench of Justices Sanjay Kishan called and M.M. Sundaresh observed while allowing an appeal against a Karnataka High Court judgment. The Supreme Court has observed that High Courts are empowered to exercise limited factual review under Section 103 of the Code of Civil Procedure. The Bench of Justices L. Nageshwar Rao and S. Ravindra Bhatt observed that the rule that without a substantial question of law, the High Courts cannot interfere with findings of the lower court or concurrent findings of fact is subject to two important caveats. First, if the findings of fact are palpably perverse or outrage the conscience of the court. In other words, it flies in the face of logic that given the facts on the record, interference would be justified. And second, where the findings of fact may call for examination and be upset in the limited circumstances spelt out in Section 103 CPC. The Supreme Court has observed that mutation entry in the revenue records is only for fiscal purposes and does not confer any right, title or interest in favour of a person. If there is any dispute with respect to title and more particularly when the mutation entry is sought to be made on the basis of the will, the party who is claiming the title or right on the basis of the will has to approach the appropriate civil court and get his rights crystallized and only thereafter, on the basis of the decision before the civil court, necessary mutation entry can be made, the bench of Justices M.R. Shah and Anirudh Bose observed. The court noted that in the Suraj Bhan judgment, it was held that an entry in revenue records does not confer title on a person whose name appears in the record of rights. Upholding the High Court judgment, the bench dismissed the special leave petition. The Delhi High Court on 9th September transferred the probe into 29-year-old Tihar jail inmate Ankit Gujar's alleged murder inside the jail premises 
from Delhi Police to the Central Bureau of Investigation. The order was pronounced by a single bench or Justice Mukta Gupta, who had reserved orders earlier this month on the plea. The court also added that it has issued directions to the Director General of Prisons on the issue of laxity in not providing proper treatment on time and also for making necessary rules and regulations so that when CCTV cameras are not working inside jail premises, officers don't take advantage of the same. The matter will now be considered on October 28. Let us now look at important judgments from the High Courts and other courts. The Nagpur bench of the Bombay High Court has held that a remarried woman has a right to her deceased husband's property if she was not remarried when the husband passed away. The term used by the court to describe this situation was the day the succession opens. A single judge bench of Justice S.M. Modak in an order passed last month after discussing the provisions of Hindu Succession Act 1956 and the Hindu Widow Remarriage Act in 1856, which was repealed in 1983, observed that there is emphasis on the date when succession opens as per Section 24 of the Act of 1956. The status of the widow being remarried, continuing to be widow, must be on the date when succession opens. The wordings, if on the date the succession opens, does not find place in Section 2 of the Act of 1856. So, we have to respect the intention of the legislators while incorporating these provisions in Section 24 of the Act of 1956. The court therefore ruled that if the widow has not remarried when the succession opens, the disqualification under Section 24 of the Act of 1956 will not be applicable. The Allahabad High Court recently held that under the Hindu rituals and customs, putting vermilion on the forehead of a woman by a man conveys a man's promise an intention to marry the woman, which is sufficient enough for a woman to believe that he would, in fact, marry her. The bench of Justice Vivek Agarwal was hearing the plea of one Vipin Kumar, who sought quashing of summoning order passed by the Chief Judicial Magistrate Shah Janpur in a criminal case registered against him under Section 376 IPC and quashing of charge sheet and entire proceedings of the case on the ground that in view of the contents of the FIR, it was evident that the complainant or victim had consensual sex with him. The court observed that the accused had made a false promise to the victim to marry her, to extract a physical relationship and thus dismiss the accused's application filed under Section 482 CRPC. In a case before the Gohati High Court, the petitioner woman, who was the second wife of a Muslim man, had approached the court aggrieved by non-sanctioning of pension and other pensionary benefits on the death of her husband. The issue in this case was whether the petitioner, being a Hindu and married to her husband, a Mohammedan, under the Special Marriage Act 1954, would be entitled to pension and other pensionary benefits. Dismissing the woman's claim, the bench of Justice Kalyan Rai Sunana observed that Section 4 of the Special Marriage Act does not save a second marriage contracted by a Muslim male with a Hindu woman, and thus it would be void. As per Section 4 of the Special Marriage Act, one of the conditions relating to solemnization of special marriages is that neither party should have a spouse living. The Madhya Pradesh High Court recently advised the state government to ensure that at least one primary health centre should be established in jail campus, having facilities to treat the ailments relating to heart, kidney, liver, etc. The bench of Justice Sheel Nagu and Justice Rajiv Kumar Srivastava has also asked the state to ensure 
that specialists or experts relating to the various ailments be provided in such primary health centers to the prisoners. Referring to the apex court's ruling in Hussein Ara Khatun's case, the court also underscored that prisoners are also human beings and that their human rights are required to be safeguarded. This observation came while the court was hearing a plea for suspension of sentence of a 65-year-old murder convict who was already out on interim bail on the ground that he was suffering from a heart ailment and taking regular treatment but his condition was not good and he needed further regular treatment. Social activist and advocate Nutan Thakur, wife of ex-IPS officer Amitabh Thakur, was granted anticipatory bail by a Lucknow court on 10th September in a case registered against her for allegedly assaulting cops and obstructing government work when police personnel went to arrest her husband Thakur on charges of abetting suicide of a rape victim, her friend. It had also been alleged that during the course, they injured the cops and also caused damage to the nameplate and whistle cord of the informant and damaged spectacles of the SHO. Considering the facts and noting that Nutan Thakur is not a flight risk and that she has given an assurance to cooperate in the investigation, the additional sessions judge PM Tripathi granted her anticipatory bail. That's all for today. If this video was of help to you, give us a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. I'm Tanya Pandey for Live Law and you're watching Courts this week. I'll see you again very soon. Until then, have a great week ahead. Subscribe to our channel and press the bell icon to never miss a video from Live Law.